I'm already singing along. And welcome to another episode of Swing Thoughts. Golf's greatest coming together of uh, the mental side of golf, the geeky side of golf. Presented by two vagabonds of the world of uh, of the world. Tim O'Connor, Howard Glassman. Tim O'Connor, of course, the mental performance guru. A man who has changed lives on many fronts. And Howard Glassman golfs eponymously self-appointed spiritual leader. I'm a little concerned here in the uh, Swing Thoughts studios. There's almost like a a truck that is parked outside our studio. And uh, we're going to have to deal with that. Does it make a noise or are you concerned about the toxic fumes possibly nullifying your life? Well, it's funny you say that because I... I don't worry about the toxic fumes, although it's some kind of truck that's labeled the excavator. And it, I don't know, maybe it's pumping out the sewage. Nice. But uh, we can, you know, we can, you know, the kids say we can deal with it. Yeah, yeah, deal with it. Yeah, we're gonna deal with it. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim, of course, available uh, for private consultations, and of course, uh, you can get a hold of him. Tim dot. Uh, well, there's a couple ways. The Gmail one, and go to his site, and Tim will fix you up, and uh, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You'll figure it out. There's a package available. Yeah, and, and you need to, and you also, folks, if you have not listen to Hubble and Fred on uh, Sirius XM on the Comedy Channel, you must. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, Humble and Fred Radio, Channel 168. Pardon me. What to do with your kids, particularly if they're an impressionable age? But well, I don't know why you don't listen to the radio with your kids at all. They're just annoying. <laughs> uh, this program brought to you by Club Link. <laughs> <laughs> this program brought to you by the Wandering Golf, the, the Vagabonds of Golf, as well as Club Link. And uh, even more incredibly, Taylor Made Golf, the number one driver in golf. I was uh, at a golf course the other day, and Taylor Made had set up a demo thing or whatever they call that, demo days. And it was well attended. I saw the golfers, uh, as soon as they see the Taylor Made banner, they come out like lemmings. They flock. They flock to try and get more distance, more clubhead speed. Yeah. I played on the weekend, and I think every person I played with, with exception of I played three times and I think there was only two people among the threesomes who didn't have a tailor-made M1 driver. Mm-hmm. I think the... And their, and their lack of distance on the tee and solidness, it was... It, it was apparent. Play. It yeah. was, it was. You know, it's... it's I, I'm... I'm the same way. The odd time I'm in a group and someone doesn't have a tailor-made driver or a three-wood or a hybrid, and I, I look at them like, uh, you know, like I'm playing golf with one of the pioneers, and they've just jumped down from their covered wagons and said, do you mind if I uh, tee it up here with you? And I go, yes, go ahead, Ezekiel. <laughs> um, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, yeah, I want to remind everyone. Yeah. I want to remind everyone, Tim's uh, book... The Feeling of Greatness, the updated edition, the story of Mo Norman is available. And uh, please tell us how a person might go about ordering such a fine tome. best way is through Amazon. Um, they have uh, cheaper shipping than I could give you. Or certainly, if you're in Canada, it's, it's 
it's the best way. Um, yeah, even in the U.S., Amazon, because that keeps our, our, our ratings up. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to you know be looking like you're selling lots, and, and it's coming along really nicely. Uh, some reviews are going to start happening, coming out. So, so uh, anyways, it's it's going well. Well, I'm very happy for you, you as your that. friend. You just asked me how to get it. And, I told you extra stuff, but there you go. I don't mind that. I was going to say, as your friend and colleague and fellow golf traveler, I'm happy for your success, and I want people to avail themselves of this information. Now, on to some new business. Today, we'll talk about a little bit of the PGA Championship. We will uh, hopefully touch on, uh, if we can, uh, the club championship at uh, my golf course as the summer of uh, Golf Spiritual Leader continues. But to begin with, I'd want to uh, just make a mention of a great conversation I had yesterday. And I'm actually, let me back up even further. Are you starting to run into people, as am I, that are quite uh, taken with this offering, this swing thoughts, this thing we created? Because more and more I'm running into people saying things like, hey, when is the next new episode? Nice. What was that magic noise a second ago? That magic noise was... uh I don't like a septic truck. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm people. I am sitting overlooking a baseball diamond in exhibition park in lovely Guelph, Ontario. Oh, I see. It's, it's beautiful. And so a truck just started. So, so a truck just started. He's idling away and I think they're getting ready to pull away, but that's what that interesting sound was. So have you found, I, I mean, over the last couple of months, it's like we've reached this tipping point where there are people that identify themselves with this swing thoughts offering. And, uh, I've been asked a bunch of times. They, they notice when we haven't put up a show and I'm going to tell you from being in the podcast business now for over 10 years, that is very encouraging. It is. It is. I'm yeah. I'm heartened, encouraged. Excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, 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 people ask me about it. I actually had a a, a a prospective client say that they talked to somebody and listened to podcasts and they knew they needed to talk to me. So that was cool. That was really cool to get that kind of um, feedback. But yeah, it's you know, would, would, what is it? Where is this our 49th or 50th show that we are currently recording? Uh, you're asking the wrong person because, you know, I'm so self-absorbed, I don't notice. No, I'm kidding. I, I think it's 49, to be honest with you. Yeah, so there you are. We're hitting a critical mass. We're hitting a milestone of 50 the next time. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I had a conversation with a childhood friend of mine who is a, a very fine, accomplished golfer. His name is Mark Albert. And he and I grew up, played hockey against each other as kids. We played golf at the Hillcrest Sports Center in Moose Jaw. I won the Junior Club Championship. He did. I may or may not have made out with his sister. I can't comment on that now. Uh, but that's not the point of this story. Although she was... She was... Here's the thing. She was very, very cute. And more importantly, she worked at the Dairy Queen. Oh, yeah. And the combination was too much for me. So the reason I mentioned Mark is I found out through my older brother, also a Swing Thoughts fan. He had played with Mark a couple weeks ago, and they got to talking about the fact that I'm coming to Regina uh, the week of the 20th of August to play in the National uh, Mid-Amateur Championship. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. And, Mar- and David told me Mark listens to has listened to every Swing Thoughts podcast and loves it. 
And I was talking to Mark yesterday because I'm trying to line up a game with him when I'm in Moose Jaw the, week after, the weekend after the Regina competition. And Mark went on and on about how he, he's learned from the show. He loves our guests. You know who his favorite guest was? See, which, see, it's funny when I, because he, he, he was saying, you know, one of my favorite guests is, and I was thinking, you know, I don't know, John Foley, Carl Morris. Do you know who it was? You're asking me to guess? Yes. Oh, God. Sissons. No. Really? Crazy Ron from Calgary. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, he was, he really connected. He told me he really connected with the free-flowing fluid swing, the the loose grip, the fact that, you know, golf is really just about tempo and feel. And and I was, I'll, I'll tell you, it's weird what tickles you, but I was quite tickled that somebody that I, you know, again, I really admired as a, as a golfer and I, you know, he's a great guy and a Moose Javian and uh, he's a big fan of the show. So I said I'd give you a shout out on the next episode. That's really cool. But I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about Moose Javian, but anyway, um, yeah, that's cool. Ron was a really neat. He's a really neat guy. Well, it just goes to show you that not everything, you know, certain things resonate with other people. I mean, one of the things about being doing what you do is part of the puzzle solving, I would imagine, and you can speak to this, is finding out what will resonate with a, a person in terms of guiding them through the mental processes. Mm-hmm. Well, the key thing to about guiding people through is is to know that they guide themselves that my role is is just try and draw them out everyone has their own innate wisdom and brilliance um and i'm going to kind of connect back to ron citizens in a minute here it's not about all the the uh the interesting cool stuff that i may know or have read and experienced what resonates with people is their own experience so when you're talking about uh mark there he connected his own experience with what Ron Sisson was, was saying. And, and so for some reason, that's why it, it resonated for him. In the same way, you know, you and I could watch a movie and you go, well, that was stupid. And I said, that was amazing because it resonated with our own experience. No, exactly. We were talking about this on the uh, Humble and Fred show the other day about how, you know, Fred and I both you know, are such huge Beatle fans, but we're never into sort of the early 70s, you know, heavy rock, the Led Zeppelins, the, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I and even into the 90s, I never really got into Metallica and things like that. And yet there are people, you know, that would, you know, drive across the country to go see a Metallica concert. I wouldn't go across the street. No, absolutely. I get it. Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> like recently I'm listening to one of my favorite songs to listen to as I'm making dinner these days is Super Not, Black Sabbath, Volume 4. You know, and to my wife, that is just freaking noise. She just cannot stand it, you know, and other things like that. But it just, you know, it just makes the hair on my arms stand up straight and I go crazy to it. Really? Yeah. Let's Let's hear a little bit of this Super Not right now. So far, hate it. <laughs> Medical, that riff, that was amazing. You know, knowing you as I do, I just can't see you, you know, swinging, swaying your head back and forth to Super Knot from Black Sabbath, but hey. Hey, don't talk so much. Let the music go. All right. I've heard that before. When does the music part kick in? Okay. So that's just uh, fantastic. 
And um, what are you going to do? So anyway, uh, that was interesting. Talking to somebody, getting their feedback about the show. I'm not planning any more Black Sabbath because I, I do want some listeners to stay with us. Let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you my answer, but first I'm going to ask you. Did you not get a feeling during the PGA Championships, especially on Sunday, that Justin Thomas was the guy? I'm going to tell you, I did. Early on, long before it was apparent, I felt that JT, as I like to call him, I felt he was the guy. What do you think? Well, I'm not going to say that I had a premonition he would emerge as the champion, but um, as it was going along, I'm just going, yeah, the, the stars are aligning here. Just the things that are that are happening to win. Not like, yeah, the, the the putt that hangs on the lip for ten seconds drops for sure. You need things like that to happen to win. You need mm-hmm. to get some breaks. So, like, so because that putt falls or he chips in, does that mean, you know, without argument, he's the champion? PJ was he the best guy? No, he got some breaks, but he also was playing with. I just think a sense of um, oh, he, he was tenacity, belief, go for it. I love the fact he doesn't take a lot of time. He swings out of his shoes. He played to. He played as is natural for him, and mm-hmm. he just, it was one of those days where where sometimes things come together in this game as they do in all different parts of our lives. So I didn't, as I say, have a premonition, but I wasn't surprised to see um, that it happened for him. And also, he was drawing upon. Uh, was it at least three previous victories? Yeah, he's won three times. And I just want to comment about what you said. I'm not telling you I knew when the broadcast began, but I started to get a feeling, obviously, that putt. But just looking at the leaderboard, I thought yeah. Patrick Reed had a shot, and Ricky Fowler, obviously, Dillette finished nicely top ten. I, I like Kevin Kisner a lot. I really, really do. I, I love his game. I love the way he plays. I love the fact that, you know, he just takes it all in stride. And I also like the fact that he's got sort of a – a bit of a chippy, you know, he's not afraid of shots. I just didn't think, <clears throat> excuse me, that that was his time. He just looked a little shaky early. I never thought that Chris Stroud guy was going to hang around, but that's fine. He's won his first tournament the week before. Good for him. And then there you go. Look at Matty Kuchar, another top 10 result. Yeah, and I think Kuch is, if Kuch stays healthy and keeps just keeps believing and, and gets some breaks, his, his day will come. He's just too solid a player for that to happen. So, you know, kind of like really wearing my, my you know, coach hat. Uh, guys like Coot, like um, Stroud and Kisner, um, you know, just when you're getting into the majors, those significant events, and you don't have a lot of experience to draw on, um, things are happening within your body the tension levels. It's just so hard to keep that stuff, uh, just allow yourself to flow and, and, and let it go when that pressure is on because you're just not used to it. You know, and it's like, it's like you know, we could probably talk about this and, you know, we start talking about club C's and whatnot. You know, you had yours, I had mine the past weekend. Um, you need to have had, I've said it many times before, you got to get your reps in. you got to have experience. And so for a lot of those other guys, they didn't um, have it. You know, Reed, maybe, but he's not even been in contention in majors that often. That was his hot. That was actually Patrick Reed tied for second along with Ustazen and Francesco Molinari. I'm going to talk about him in a second. That was Patrick Reed's best finish ever in a major. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so good for him. Even though 
I don't really like the guy, but <laughs> there you go. That's my, it says more about me probably than him. So we'll, we'll talk about the club season in a second. I wanted to point out one uh, teachable moment, if we can, from Golf Spiritual Leader. And it, this is, okay. it goes to Saturday's round. And I'm going to tell you the tale of two uh, players on the 18th hole. There's Francesco Molinari, who hit it in the trees, pitched out, got it on the green, and made a par. And then there's Jason Day. And if I was Jason Day's caddy on the second shot on Saturday where he where he made a quadruple bogey. By the way, the very first episode of this show, uh, Timothy and I said we could take four to six shots off your game and never touch your swing. Let's look at Jason Day. What he was thinking by trying to hit through those trees up along the right versus get it back on the golf course, get it on the green. The worst he makes is five. And it's a bogey versus a quadruple bogey. Now, he ends up finishing. The next day, he finished tied for ninth. He shot 70. But let's say he only shoots 74 Saturday versus the 77. It's a different ball game for him on Sunday. But what did you think of that, Coach? Wasn't that just the perfect expression of what we talk about here? Take what the golf course gives you, safety first, and make a smart par or bogey. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that was the weirdest thing. I'm still trying to figure this out, and I'm still trying to find um, where he talks about this. Uh, I think that he – have you seen him talk about that? No, sir. I have not. So, yeah, he left the course uh, Saturday right away, and Sunday I don't think he addressed it. Um, there will be a, a reckoning, and he'll come to explain it, but I'm still looking for, for answers on what the heck he was thinking. Um, like – I don't know, like how his caddy did not talk him out of that. I I think that could have been a tin cup moment, you know, where you know, so okay, you're going to try and hit this hero shot. There, it's your bag. Bye. Well, it just goes I, to I show you that like even everyone knows, it, it, you know, even like a 15 handicapper knows um, that that hero shot that he tried that took him out of the game. It's a mystery to me what went on unless he had a, a breakdown and he and his coach slash caddy are about to end that relationship like Rory just well that I mean yeah yeah but that's spe- I mean who knows I mean exactly. you could never t- I mean that's a, a speculative point that's I mean for another conversation well, what was going on what is going on hang on there's hang on there Tiger what was going on with the former number one player in the world that he thought he thought going down the right-hand side of that particular hole would get him a better chance at par or bogey than going sideways. Look at Molinari. Molinari did what pros do. He, you know, he pitched it back into safety, made himself a nice four. The worst he was going to make is five. Yep. So you're like me. That's it's inexplicable. You don't even. Where do you even start with something like that? That doesn't make any sense to me unless he's trying to send some kind of message that hey I'm back because he's been struggling this year uh, his mom has cancer his game, he's had some injuries I, I really don't know I mean, again it's, it's all speculation on what the heck was going on there alright moving so, on uh, I'm going to tell you coming up before this program's over uh, a really cool article I got sent by my new buddy in Switzerland Jonathan Wallet, the director of the Elite Coaching Golf Academy. The, uh, the, the, the article, I was going to send it to you. I'm not sure if I did. The article is entitled Victim or Competitor. That's coming up uh, uh, later on in this program. But first, let's speak to uh, Mr. Timothy O'Connor, 
uh, not as a mental performance coach, but how did your now this was the the regular club championship or the senior club championship? Uh, we at Blue Springs we do uh, we just combine it. It's a combo so, event. Yeah, so if you have to be of a certain vintage <laughs> and you do well, you get you know acknowledged as the senior or super senior champ. And uh, I'll be very clear, I didn't come anywhere close to vying for any of those esteemed. Were you titles. low mental performance coach? Well, I was the only mental performance No one needs to know that, smarty pants. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, uh, it, from a score standpoint, uh, outcome, results, it didn't go so swell. What was it, a three-round uh, event? Three-round event, yeah. yeah. And uh, was there a cut? No, there's no, no cut. cut. There's no cut. Just, just, just cuts that I had to my psyche. So you're uh, let, let me let me counsel you for a second because you know I I um hardened ex yeah I've been getting counseling all <laughs> <laughs> I'm a uh, grizzled uh, tournament veteran um, and golf spiritual leader. So what was it? Was it a combination of you just hadn't had a lot of rounds because I know you don't play as much as you would like to and were you was it a physical breakdown or was it a mental? Unpreparedness, if that's even a word. That's a word. It could be all of the above. Um, I hadn't played. I had played a lot of golf in July, but not in, uh, in but not in August. And we went on vacation, so I wasn't really able to play. Apart from a uh, family golf tournament thing, which is just kind of a you know a fun thing, and and I'm involved in organizing it. But anyways. Um, so I, I hadn't really played much in about a, a week before it. And um, I don't know. Sometimes you can go from, you know, taking the clubs out of the closet and play well and sometimes play not so well. But I, rationalizing it, why I didn't play well, I think it was um, very tough court. We played from the back tee to play in the championship flight. And tuck pins, fast greens, man. Mm-hmm. Just. And tournament pressure, you know. I don't play in, I, I don't play in a lot of tournaments. I just choose not to make the time. I make it for time for other things. And as we've talked about, I think that if you don't play in a lot of tournaments, I don't care who you are, uh, you are going to struggle, uh, particularly in tough conditions. And it was really interesting, man. This, all the stuff that I was experiencing is all the stuff that I work with my clients on. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for sake of example, um, a number two at Blue Springs, par three, elevated tee with trees all along the left. Uh, you just snipe left of left shot. Well, I picked up my bag, and I am just thundering down the hill towards it, and I catch catch because I'm angry. And I just catch myself like, oh, wait, that doesn't help. No, <laughs> so, no, it doesn't. So I right down, started to just breathe and look at the trees and the clouds. And by the time I got to the bottom of the hill, you know, I just kind of quieted myself right down and ended up making triple just because tough, very tough pin and, you know, I had to hit one out of the hazard, whatever. Um, so things like that were just, I, I was going through everything that I work with my clients on it's it's really interesting trying to kind of walk that chasm um, knife edge if you will of like you know performance coach and player because they're 
completely different. Well, and give yourself, you know, some, I know you do. I was going to say give yourself a break, but give yourself this. Because what Tim talks about with his players and what my mental team, of which you're one of them, I mean, I, I, it's unbelievable the cadre of people that I have helping me through each and every day. But one of the things that I would say... <laughs> the entourage. The entourage of people that keep me even remotely mentally stable. And I'm, believe me when I say remotely, I'm not even kidding. But what I would say is just when, when, when you and I talk about getting your reps in, I don't think people understand that even though you're deep in the knowledge of what you're teaching, it's all, you're just a guy and you're not as um, practiced practiced in the repeated execution of it. Oh, absolutely. Because you could yeah. tell yourself t uh, all the way down the fairway, you know, breathing and slow and eyes up and all the things. You could do that till you're blue in the face, but if you don't practice that regularly in those situations, it doesn't become unconsciously competent. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Well, are, I, you, I, <laughs> you, are you still there, Windy Boy? Yeah, sorry. So it's all right. I was walking around and I was sitting, I was sitting in some bleachers and starting to get very sunburned. I think. So okay. Now I'm walking around in the. Um, is the wind? Is it distracting, or should I find? Not it? at all. You're fine. I just okay. thought it was funny. So, so, um, I think kind of what it is is that subconsciously, like I want to play well, particularly in my club C, and no, I like to compete. That's why I play as well, and. Um, and I also, what I had to, uh, it was really interesting, is, again, uh, things were coming up for me. I went, oh, my God, you know, am I going to break 90 today? You know, stuff like that. And think, oh, it's going to be posted on the board. And, you know, I'm a performance coach. And what are people going to think? And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a sec, Tim. A, they don't care. And B, they're smart enough to know that, you know, there's a big difference between being a what makes someone a fine coach and a fine player. You know, like Don Cherry and Boost Boudreaux. They were not like Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordans of their things, but they're good coaches. Absolutely. So it's completely different. But I did, from an ego standpoint, as I say, I went through so much of the same stuff that that I, I would say most other golfers go through, this, this self-referencing, evaluating, judging, and then I would just kind of catch myself and go, hey, wait a sec, that doesn't matter, and just kind of bring myself back to task at hand, and sometimes that would be, be through breathing or just listening to my competitors, and I ended up having a, a lot of fun, um, but as I say, um, I really, it was a very interesting experience for me, again, to find the balance between my own desires and the subconscious things that come up as a player and, and those things that come up about, you know, in being a coach. I, I love uh, everything you just said because it shows that there's a human side to all of this and even somebody that, you know, guys like you and I that spend an inordinate amount of time talking and thinking and working through these golf puzzles, if you will, <clears throat> you know, in the actual execution, you know, we're as susceptible to those moments as anyone else. And as I sort of mentioned, you know, like, I've had I play a lot of tournament golf, not just the majors that I've talked about, the amateurs and the mid ams and the club championships, but I play a lot of little tournaments in between, you know, little Ryder Cup, interclub stuff. So I'm constantly in a state where I'm practicing the things we talk about, 
And so they are practiced. And so, whereas with you, you're like, I know this stuff, but I still am Tim O'Connor, the guy. And golf's a difficult game, and especially in a club championship, where, as you say, your name's going to go up somewhere. But you nailed it when you said, you know, listen. You're a, a, a well-loved man, and most other golfers don't give two craps about what you shot and aren't going to go, well, he shot 89. That, he must not be a very good coach then because not, not, one has nothing to do with the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's interesting, too, is so, so that's all really cool stuff. Um, and so I have my own coach. Um, she helps me with my, my – uh, it's like business development and coaching, but also she acts as um, someone who holds space for me, and I'm able to just, you know, tell her the stuff that goes on in my world. And it was really interesting in that she talked about is that really what I was going through was was the practice. You know, it is the process. It's not what the results are. It's like how what did I learn and what am I and in the practice. And she equated it, I think, very uh, nicely to say like meditation so when when i'm meditating or most people do what it's called mindfulness meditation is that they they focus on their breath and inevitably their mind will drift off into thought and you catch yourself and you go oh i'm thinking bring my focus back to my breath that's the practice of mindfulness meditation so it's the same way in golf is that it's the practice of hitting seeing shots executing the shots and and seeing you know what's happening being in the experience of it and going oh okay what's you know how's this going and it's just a, a constant practice of learning uh experiencing and and just being in the experience and and not judging it or evaluating or self-identifying mm-hmm. um and if I, if i can maintain that kind of perspective then every experience is valuable and end up on a horrible cliche, but has a lot of value is I'll fail my way to success. Well, and I will pick it up there because, you know, I can tell you, and a lot of people have heard the show and talked to, heard me talk about, you know, the worst golfer I ever met in terms of pouting, sulking, all the horrible things I did. And now somehow or another and i've expressed this to you privately and i I talked about it with our good friend paul doolin last night i had dinner with again one of the guys on my mental team along with you and charlie fitzsimmons and doolin and paul henrick it's really quite a it's quite a group i don't know how you afford us all uh well because you know what it is it's an energy exchange because i mean listen do you understand what people would pay just to have a few minutes of FaceTime with golf spiritual leader how dare you you acid tongue minx anyway so um, Ooh, okay. I was talking to Doolin about it, and um, it's just the idea that, you know, over time, little by little, every time you play in an event that has a little bit of pressure, and, you know, I've started doing a lot of transfer training, a lot of the practice I do is very, you know, <clears throat> oriented to feeling some pressure, and little by little, but my point is, over time, as you've seen firsthand, you know, I'm no longer just a couple swings away from losing my mind. I'm an infinite number of bad shots away because I've hit an infinite number of bad shots this summer and still somehow had tournament success simply because I'm continually open to the idea that there is, there's good things to come. 
I mean, it sounds ridiculously simple, but my possibility scale is now off the charts. Whereas before, the way I acted closed the door to anything good happening. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. That's the wisdom of the elder coming out there, you 57-year-old golfer, you. But, Timmy, um, it is the wisdom having practiced what you preach... And not yeah. just you, but the other guys. And yeah. put it and it's the wisdom of seeing a little just a little bit of improvement and a little bit of learning in each tournament situation. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's about the learning and I love what you're saying about about the transfer. So in your practice you've been been using, you know, putting it consequence you know playing games in which you know you have to try and get up and down or make That's right. Play, I play par eighteen all the time now. Yeah, and that's just amazing. As as you build up more of those, you know, you get your reps in with playing with consequence, so that and that just all adds up. As you, you know, you're on the, you know, it's one thing to make nice chips, whether it be paratine, and then in a tournament, and you flub your first chip, and you kind of go, oh brother, you know, and then but the next time you go, you learn from that, and what, you know, maybe you weren't present, maybe whatever it was. And you learn from that, and you just—it's just like by increments. It's like by little by little, you just—you just make these these awarenesses grow, and you make those improvements. But that also comes from having the wisdom of not identifying, not being attached to results, uh, as you you know used before, like you said before a, a number of times. You know, at the national, those club sees there's a number of times in which you never got past the ninth. Green. Yeah, like that's embarrassing to admit that I actually played the front nine of two club championships and went to my car. Yeah, that, I know it's embarrassing, but it, that's what. But it actually that. happened. It's not like a yeah, funny that's story. Also, that's what gives you the authenticity to be golf spiritual leader. You have gone through this. You've been through the muck and mire yourself. If you hadn't, there's this great myth that anybody who speaks about. Um, you know, anything like, you know, we do, we're trying to help people. There may be this myth that we have it all together. It's like the guru on the mountaintop. He's serene and, and has great wisdom and he's never made a mistake in his life. No, the reason he's on that mountaintop, he's made lots of mistakes. And that's what allows him to relate to his people <laughs> who come to him. You know, because he's made, he's a human and he's been through that. If we haven't suffered, then we we're unable to give any of our... Because it's all our own learning and our own experience that has the value. Never mind all, you know, yeah, there's stuff we read in books and listen to people in the interview, but it's our own experiences that we've had, particularly the painful ones, that give us, the, give us some wisdom. Well, I think there's also an uh, openness. That, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that, that's, that's what gives, you know, whether you're uh, yeah. in the corporate world, a parent, whatever, it's from your own experience. Um, you know, abetted with a lot of other... Well, I was going to say, it's your own experience, but it's also, you're a guy uh, similar to me. You're open to learning new things and not... And there's something about... I know you do a lot of work on uh, this with your men's support group, but there's a certain reticence for guys to admit when they've done something embarrassing or sort of maybe less than... You know, like I tell people now who've only known me in this sort of current incarnation, when I tell them stories of playing nine holes in the club championship and going home, they're like, what? But it happened, and it gave me sort of a, the realization that there had to be a better way. And, um, I mean, this summer's been pretty great in terms of, you know, all, all the things 
that we've talked about, not only on the show, but as friends and, you know, my mental team, but, you know, putting them into practice and seeing that, you know, there is a, there is a result. And I would, pa- I would sort of pass that on to the guys listening. Like, whether you think this is all, you know, fooey or not, but I'm going to tell you, um, I have evolved my attitude to the degree now where I don't know what's going to happen next week at the Mid-Am, but I can guarantee one thing. I'll try on every shot, and it's the only thing I, that I can intend to do. I don't know how I'm going to do, but I can guarantee to myself, mostly, that I won't give up until I'm done. And that's a pretty, um, what, what did you call it once? It's like the anti-fragile state. Something like that, but that's or use the phrase you've been using. That's big boy golf. But but big boy golf is knowing that you can rely on yourself for the very least. You'll rely on yourself for the best effort you can do. Absolutely. So I got this note from my buddy in uh, Switzerland, Jonathan Wallet. We got to get him on the show in the fall because he's a big boy guy and he works with a lot of guys on the European tour. And he sent me an article he wrote, and the article is entitled "Victim." Or competitor. And it's basically a lot about what we talk about, taking care of what you can control and what you can control. But I love the idea because I was definitely, uh, admittedly, and you've seen it in person maybe or maybe, but you've heard about the stories of what a victim I felt like all the time. Why I practiced so much and I couldn't bring my game to the golf course and I had a bad break and I'm going to go home and all that stuff is victim speak, right? You got it. Whereas competitor, being a competitor is just a mindset. As is that a competitor thinks that no matter what happens, I'm still going to compete until the very end. If the best score you can shoot on a day is 87, at least if you know you tried on every one of those shots, then you can kind of go home and go, well, it just wasn't my day, but I certainly didn't give up. Absolutely. Yeah, love that. I guess it's part where I talk more. Um yeah, you have to give your absolute best on everything to be your best self. If you give up, the again, where's where's the learning going to happen? And you just don't build up that armor to be able to withstand the, the tough moments. No, right, you are. I mean, and I'm, as far as you, you were reacting to that, like what I wanted to get out though is that giving up teaches you what it teaches you to give up. Right. That's all you're learning from giving up is you're learning that if it gets too tough and what round of golf doesn't have moments of problems to be solved, that's why we like it. If because if you learn to give up, that's what you learn. You if you give up, all you do is go, well, when it gets too tough, I'll just bag it. I'll just turn turn off the lights. Mm -hmm. And again, that's that's like emotional fragility. You know, I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm. It's more concern, again, about what maybe people are thinking and, and how are they judging me, as opposed to just drawing on my own resources. Two weeks before, two weeks ago when we did our last show, I think it was after the Senior Ontario Amateur. I think it was, wasn't it? I think so, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. So we had talked about, you know, I had a nice tournament. I'd sort of overcome a lot of, you know, you know, ups and downs, and I kind of kept sticking it out, and I ended up making the cut by one, and I played pretty well in the third round. So two weeks after I had that experience, played in the mid-am, came second in the senior club championship. I mean, the first hole of our club championship, 
in front of a bunch of people, and I'm one of the you know the first guys out because I got one of the lower handicaps in front of a bunch of people on the first hole of the club championship. I hit it so far behind the ball that I barely moved the ball 150 yards. I hit it into some haggis, and I had to re-tee. I had to go ahead and hit a provisional on the first shot of the tournament, and 54 holes later, I finished second because I just went, well, that was embarrassing. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. I went, well, that was embarrassing. And then I re-teed my provisional, found my first ball, made a bogey. Check this out. I bogeyed, I don't know, I was seven over after seven holes. I played the next 29 holes, one over par, including wow. including the next 11 holes after being seven over. It was a horrible, horrible first uh, round in terms of the weather. It was windy, raining sideways, and only three guys broke 80, and I was one of them. The, you hear there me was, applauding you? No, no. You hear me applauding you? I'm, just, I'm making is, this point again. Oh, no, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, the, the low round of the day was 78. I shot 79. I ended up in the last group on the last day, and I was just buzzing. I shot 79, 73, and then on the last day, uh, I was behind three shots, and I had a, a couple of wonky golf things happen on the eighth and ninth hole. And I finished the. I was one over through seven. I finished bogey, triple bogey. So the guy that and the guy that I was trailing shot thirty five in the front nine. So I go to the tenth tee and I'm nine behind, and I ended up only losing by four because I just thought to myself, "Hey, <laughs> I'm so dumb." I go, "Hey, you never know it'll happen." Meanwhile, the best thing why the best compliment I got was there was a bunch of people following us and they picked us up on ten. And one guy said to me after he said, Hey, I just found out you triple bogey nine. I go, Yeah. He goes, When I saw you on ten, you looked like you were leading the tournament. <laughs> I said, Well, how else should I have looked? All bummed out and down. I had a banana, exactly. I got a vitamin water, and I went to the tenth tee and I ripped it. And the guy Absolutely. I was the guy that I was trailing just had a really rough bunch of holes and I just kind of settled down a little bit I, I didn't feel like the triple bogey reflected how I was playing and blah 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 and we both ended up shooting 78 and 79 not a great score but the best score I could do with the triple bogey and a double bogey yeah and also probably fast greens and tuck pins and and um, the pressure of having been you know I, I a year ago I was caddying for our friend Paul Gortner in the last round of the club championship. And all I wanted was to be in the last group a year later, and I did. And, yeah, I, and I got people watching me, and it was fun, and I was excited. And one thing I didn't tell you, I don't know how much we've talked about this, but uh, somewhere in the back nine of the club championship, with all these people around, I had to turn away because I had such a big grin on my face. I didn't want people to think that I was losing my mind because I took time to appreciate, to have the gratitude of where I was. Absolutely. And so that's what I wanted to just pick up on. That is, I love where you went with that. Because when you talked about making that triple and then you go to the next hole and you rip it and, you know, like no one could tell you made triple. Because it wasn't all about your it It is and it is not about our score and how we're doing. It's more about our experience and how we're just enjoying ourselves. And if we can arrive at this perspective and maintain it that it's about the just the experience and being now and i know that sounds really woo woo to people but if you're fully present in the moment you can withstand anything 
because it's not about the score, which define which some people would say defines me, sends me into into thinking and judgment, and usually just re- reflects in really poor performance um, as our body and our and our energy goes down. But no, you maintain this perspective because you're new going in and through all the work that you've done and your experience playing in golf and in tournaments this year that one hole doesn't define you and it really is it's just a score it's just a golf hole and it's your thorough experience and you know just to come back to that piece about the the gratitude isn't really that a whole bigger piece than than your golf score well i think so and i knew you'd like that because my actual overriding memory now of that last round and the whole experience was you know i started off poorly I started off as poorly on the first tee as a guy who competes for, you know, golf, who was a competitor, could, could I mean, but rather than go, oh, well, there it goes, I was kind of yeah. like, I made a bit of a joke about it, I got on with it, I found my ball, and, and even though I was seven over after seven, I knew in my mind it was a tough day, I could see everyone around me, chaos everywhere, you know, one of the best players, Paul Gortner. I think the best player there, won the club championship seven times. He shot 80 that day. That's how tough a day it was. So mm-hmm. something inside me, I, I just, I knew that it would be fine. Even if I shot 83 or four, I didn't really even care. But here's what I know. I will always remember how I felt with four or five holes to go, a bunch of people watching. I was buzzing inside and I was like, I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is so cool. And, and I embraced the nerves, uh, nervousness, and I just couldn't wait to get to the next hole. My only regret is we ran out of holes because I went one under for the last six holes, and he went four over the last six holes. And as my friend who was watching said, you just ran out of holes. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, can we just play a few more because I think I could beat you. Yeah, but think about – so that's great. But think about the things that we cherish in, in you know, this, this thing, the human experience. When you watch a movie – it's the challenge is it's the hero's journey, if you will, in many ways. Yep. Is that we get knocked, we go to a regular life, we get knocked down to a challenge. And it's how we respond to that challenge. And that's what excites us when we watch Frodo, whatever, you know, uh, you know go to Mordor, or whatever, or Neo um, in Matrix um, overcome the challenges. When a football team, you know, is down, you know, 35 nothing at the half and comes back and wins, it just, that sense of resiliency, uh, you know, it's overworked word is courage, but the ability to just keep going, belief in self, one foot forward, all that stuff, that's, that's the stuff that we applaud in, in kind of like the human condition and, and in that journey and, the, you know, the practice. Well, one of the things, and I'll leave it alone by saying that I back to, you know, the idea of you playing in a high-level event and not having had as much experience, you know, whatever little moments where you did make a good shot. You can sort of, I always look at it like this. You know, I one-putted three holes in a row in the back nine. Two of those one-putts were for birdies, but my favorite one-putt was for the bogey I made in the middle. Because I didn't go, oh, because I stubbed a chip. I literally, I I had to punch out from underneath some trees. I was about 30 yards from the green, and I stubbed the chip. You know, and that was kind of a drag because I just birdied the hole before. And then I hit the next one on and it, I thought I hit a good chip and it went like 10, 12 feet by. And I was like, oops, but I sank yeah. that putt. 
And that was my favorite of the three one putts because I thought, you know, that was a... I hung in there and I did the best I could and you know what? It went in. But I proved that under pressure, yes, you can make a bad shot. It happens all the time. But it's back to what we were saying about Jason Day. Like, what was going through a guy's mind that he wouldn't have just tried to make a good, you know, honest bogey? And that's I, what I, I did. Th- yeah, I can only think that he reacted to something. There's something going on and he reacted as opposed to respond. And what you did in terms of you made the, 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 the flub chip, you responded in a way that allowed you to still stay present and be able to call upon all your skills and experience to you know make the best putt possible and it happened to go in mm-hmm. you know and and you know and also what's interesting is and I, I was having the same observation myself is that I love the practice chipping there's a nice little practice green at the back of the range at uh, Blue Springs I've hit millions of chips around there and you know I've talked about how you in the winter you'll take your dog stand for a mm-hmm. walk and hit chips even like in January and February and how kind of really bizarre it is on a one level for all the practice chips that you've made and you hit a, a chip like that in your club seat just when you want to play your best. Mm-hmm. It, it just happens. It just know? happens. Because we're imperfect and those things are going to happen. So, but again, it's how you respond to it. So as opposed to responding like, oh my God, I practiced all this time. How come that didn't work? <laughs> Which is, which is not useful thinking. Well, it's also what victims do. Yeah, exactly. To come back to the point about uh, your your buddy in Switzerland. Well, and the thing uh, is, I, I could have been a complete victim there. I got a bunch of people watching. I'm starting to make a bit of a charge. The guy I'm playing with is, you know, puking up all over the place. And I chunked yep. this chip, hoping, because here's the thing. He bogeyed that hole, too. So I make par there. He only beats me by three. I'm on and on and on and on. The point is, I just looked at it like, well, that's a drag. Now, let me hit the best chip I can hit because I re- really basically had the same chip again. Um, let's just, before we leave, because Timmy's got uh, stuff to do and i got to get going, but I want to say that coming up next week, I'm playing in the Canadian Mid-Amateur Championship. And uh, let's say I was one of your players. Uh, and I gave I had this conversation with Doolin last night, and I said, I'm going to have the same question with my boy Timmy. So, I, you know, what would you say to me in terms of my... A preparation, or what, what? What would your thoughts be to a player who is uh, going to play at the well, probably the biggest tournament I've played in a very long time? I played the Canadian Amateur in 1997, but I was horribly uh, unqualified to be there in terms of mental preparedness. Physically, I was uh, I was decent, but like I, I'm I'm feeling great about the 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 idea of going there because I just look at it like another experience that I will look around and cherish. Mm-hmm. I would say is ask yourself, what do you want to, uh, I would say, A, what do you want to get out of this, ex- uh, of this experience? You know, do you want to fully embrace it and experience it and, 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 and truly be, be in it and just and relish it? Or are you going in it in a, in, in a, from a place of, of, of fear? Uh, and, and, oh, how am I going to show up? Uh, I would just ask you, how, what do you want to get from that experience? And and just think about that and let that be your guide. I like that, you know, because that's kind of what I'm looking at. It. I'm, I'm not uh, – my daughter and I were having dinner the other night, and I sort of explained what I was doing. And she said to me, Art, do you think you could win, Daddy? And I sort of smiled, and I went, you know, that's not really what I'm 
expecting. I said, theoretically, if I played my best for four days in a row, it's within the realm of possibility. But I said, for me, winning is different. And she said, what do you mean? I said, for me, winning is the fact that I get, I'm going there is the win for me. I got it. Yeah. I'm 57 years old. I'm going to tee it up in a national championship at the highest level of the sport I play. To me, that's, that's cool, right? I can't wait to get there and be all like, look around. This is cool. What, how I play, you never know. It's golf. It's like my buddy Charlie says. You know, you got to give, uh, you got to remember that on any given day, you know, three shots around might just be luck, good or bad. You know, it right. might hit the cart path and then bounce across the bunker, or it might hit the bunker and bury in the wall. It's just, it's just golf. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I would say is is um, you know think about what you want from the experience, and then you know we've talked about many times. Then you kind of go in it with a sense of intention. You know, what is the thing I want? I want from this, and that'll be your guide. And by having that in. Have, have considered it and really been with that thought and feeling for, for a few days going into it, I would say that no matter what happens on the golf course, a bad break, uh, a, a competitor you don't like, a, a ruling that goes against you, you'll be able to be resilient and keep going and not be thrown, you know, you know, up and down and be hijacked by, you know, waves of emotion because of, you know, really judgmental thinking and that that type of thing. Beautifully put. Um, Beautifully articulated. Yeah. Uh, so, said lovingly. Thank you. thank you. But, you know, it's it, again, just just quickly, um, I really I really think that a lot of stuff we've talked about today is that can we stay present to our experience as opposed to allowing what happens to us to hijack us into thought judgment, evaluation, spin, spin, spin. Because if that would happen to you, in uh, whether it's your Club C or, or the Canadian Mid-Am, you're not going to be in, in the experience of playing in, in that event. Like, what an amazing opportunity to play in a Canadian National Championship. To me, if I was in there, I would want to relish every moment of it. And that's my and intention. If I, and if I'm judging myself and, oh, crap, I'm doing this again, and, I'm not going to be present to, and I won't experience and enjoy it. And, well, and that's uh, why, and that's what I, that's what I was offering you. As as far as my intention as a golfer, again, you know, I, I go back to what have I been practicing all summer? I mean, I've been in high pressure situations over and over again since early May when I first tried to qualify for the mid am, and uh, was first alternate. Anyway, my point is, all my intentions, experientially aside, are to continue to do what I do, which is. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get as prepared as I can. I'm going to do the best I can on every shot, and that's the only thing I can take care of. Like, whatever I shoot, whatever number it is, whether it's 71 or 91, it will be the best I could do that day, I promise. And that's all I can do in, in terms of, you know, my intention. Because, again, it's a, it's a game of golf. And, you know, I could, you know, I could get hot and shoot. Uh, like, in the, in the second round of the club championship, I was even par for the day on the 18th hole, and here's where I screwed up because I started thinking to myself, well, this is cool. I was one over on the front. I'm one under on the back. This is going to be cool shooting 72 that way, and I make bogey because I was trying not to make uh, – I wasn't, I wasn't thinking make par or birdie. I was thinking don't make bogey, and I did. Yeah. So I know about the mental uh, things that can befall a golfer, but as far as my – 
going into this. You'll be proud of the fact that I honestly have no, I have lots of intentions, but no expectations. Awesome. Awesome. That was a lot of really cool stuff that you just said because you're a smart guy. You're a smart guy. You've been, you've been through a lot of really cool experiences this summer, so, so uh, all the best, man. I want to thank that's, you. That's, that's all you can do is look in the mirror and say, I did my best. And, man, you did a great job on this podcast today, pal. Well, so did you. you. You know what you are? You're one yeah. of Golf Spiritual Leaders' uh, really? favorite mental performance uh, individuals. Oh, for a second there, I thought you said I was a Golf <laughs> Spiritual Leader. You just said I'm one of the Golf Spiritual Leaders' favorite. Whatever. All right. Tim O'Connor at O'ConnorGolf.ca. <laughs> the new book is called The Feeling of Greatness. And uh, make sure you check it out on Amazon. Highly rated, please. And do us a favor. Go on Facebook and like our page. As well, yeah, Humble and Fred Radio. Uh, Tim can uh, is available for consultations. Even though uh, we're in the late summer, never too late to get started on your process. And uh, thanks to uh, Clublink. Great time to join Clublink, Blue Springs. Uh, Glenn Karen, I'm going to uh, ladies' night there tonight. Or we call it men's night, but Fred always calls it ladies' night. Uh-huh. And uh, don't forget, TaylorMade... I hung out with uh, Stewie Bannantine, came over and said hi to me yesterday evening and uh, brought me some new tailor-made gloves to wear on the tournament. Nice. Number, number one driver in golf, is it not? Tis. Absolutely. Uh, tis. Timothy? All right, man. Great is there, is there anyone that doesn't think you're a super beauty? No one. <laughs> you define beauty. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, my friend. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk to you once we hang up here. So have a great day. I'll, I will talk to you maybe if you have time uh, before I head to Regina. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, give me a holler. Okay, man. Until next time, people. Yeah, thanks, folks. And Harry doesn't mind if he doesn't.